0: hello and welcome to the challenging university podcast with me your host tony kent now what does it take to protect and divert young people from crime and anti-social behavior and how do you address the disadvantages and lack of opportunities that these young people face adam ballard and ben eckett are today's guests and they are the directors of gloves not guns and urban yogis Together, they're using a holistic approach to provide purpose, safety and belonging to young people at risk of harm by involvement in or proximity to criminal activity. In our conversation, Adam and Ben share their experiences of education and how early brushes with the law and exclusion led to their own moments of realisation. Why a combination of mentoring, therapy, education, employability and community are key to helping vulnerable young people how sport can be the perfect entry point to empowering young people to positively shape their own futures, the value in changing the perception of yoga as a pursuit for white middle-aged women like me, and what Idris Elba was doing at their boxing club. You are going to absolutely love this episode. Let's go. Hi, Adam, Ben. Hey, Tony, how are you
1: getting on?
0: good this is mm, perhaps the first time first time i've had two guests on at the same time virtually so the first for the podcast
2: so we're we're gonna have to sort of like try and negotiate by looking at the camera of who's gonna talk at it's time then i suppose (laughs) Yes, I I wasn't sure what
1: the the process
0: was. We're all, we're going to be highly professional. I will prompt you. So I'm really excited to have you on the Challenging University podcast. And thank you for offering some of your time. So I have met you. We've chatted, but for the listeners today and the listeners to come, um, I'm going to ask you one at a time to introduce yourselves with your full name and what it is that you do today and I'm going to go in alphabetical order. Adam, would you like to go first?
1: Perfect. Yeah, I'm more than happy to. Um, I'm not going to give you my middle name, because that was one of the reasons why I always got in trouble in school, because people found it funny. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll shoot it over. So my name is Adam Blair Ballard, and I currently run um, two CICs alongside my esteemed guest today, Ben, um, based in Croydon, but we actually deliver the work all over in London and they're called Gloves, Not Guns, and Urban Yogis UK.
2: Awesome.
0: Uh, Ben, over to you. Middle name too, if we're going to go for it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so first name Ben, or Benjamin if I'm in trouble. Uh, Mm -hmm. Middle name James Eckett. So yeah, I'm the director at Gloves, Not Guns, and Urban Yogis. Um, We set up Gloves, Not Guns just over seven years ago, I think now. I always get this wrong. Adam will correct me. And then... And then Adam and I took over the organisation Urban Yogis about three years ago. Um, So, yeah, I met Adam about eight eight years ago and, yeah, the rest is history.
0: Nice. Um, And then maybe, given you've got these two CICs, um, perhaps we could take each of them in turn. So who would be best placed to, if you're going to take one each, who's going to explain what Gloves Not Guns do?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to do that, and ben, ben can do the urban yogis for sure. So uh, Gla- Gloves Not Guns sort of started off as a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, well, I still run the same boxing club, but it was in a different location. And unfortunately, there was a young man that was murdered outside the club. And it sort of brought reality to the fact that there just wasn't enough sort of positive provision interventions within that area mm-hmm. for young people that didn't necessarily want to compete in boxing but just had a safe space to sort of express themselves without being judged or you know attacked yeah um so yeah obviously met ben and sort of relaunched it properly at a new new location that we have in the area we're still in now which is brilliant Mm -hmm. and started off very much community based so we'd have free community boxing everything we do at glass not guns is free we feel that like young people shouldn't have to pay for sport and shouldn't have to sort of have any financial burden or barriers to to access sort of positive enrichment activities. Um, So yeah, it started off very sort of slowly, just one session a month, and then it grew. Um, And then we sort of added sort of additional pillars to the work we do. So we started doing some mentoring. Mm -hmm. Um, We sort of now have five pillars we work from to mentoring, which is done within the community and schools, um, one-to-one and group. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have therapies. We've got an internal systemic family therapist, that sort of works on a whole family approach. So not just the young people, but they support sort of mums and dads, carers. Yeah. Um we have an employabil- uh, employability and education program as well. So we'll work yeah. with young people that are not currently in education um, yeah. or employability and sort of help bridge that gap. Um and then obviously we do the community aspect, which is community sessions, and we basically link those to hotspots all over London that show showing sort of areas of high deprivation and crime. Um yeah. and we sort of implement positive enrichment activities into those areas and work with young people uh, between the ages of seven to twenty four. Wow. Within that spectrum we'll sort of work with young people who may have um sort of learning difficulties or challenges. Mm-hmm. Um they may be in care they may have just come out of custody or about to go into custody. So it's a real sort of they're all amazing young people but they have their own different um challenges that potentially we're sort of there to help support and create that network of support around them
0: yeah i've got a real sense there of that kind of i suppose family and um maybe we can get into this a bit more later but i know you know from the little that i understand about what might cause young people to become involved in you know organized crime or gangs it is that having father figures role models feeling like you belong to a family and when you speak about the way in which you're working with those young people and bringing them together it feels like that would that be fair
1: yeah for sure so that's i guess that one of our biggest part of our ethos is creating that more purposeful environment where you can sort of be part of something i think a lot of young people lack purpose and unfortunately it's ever too ready and accessible to sort of look for it in, in negative places. And that's not that down to the young person, that could be down to sort of social issues, like you say, environment. But at Girls Not Guns, we really try and sort of work with everyone. So regardless of the position you're in, it's about like where you're going. And and we're sort of, yeah, dedicated to that. We've been working with young people, like I say, for the last seven years, who started off in primary school now, sort of looking at going to university and, you know, have yeah. really sort of, been on that journey with us but it's yeah. like a testament to them as well to show how dedicated they are and understanding that you know you're not going to get judged for the position you're in it's about sort of always looking forward um yeah so yeah it's really really positive
0: it's awesome and i'm intrigued because I have been uh, only once inside a, an old school boxing club um, where I grew up in Basingstoke and it was strictly for the boys. And I remember walking up the stairs and the noise of like the squeak of the shoes on the floor and the like beat of the skipping ropes and people on the... Um, the smell. <laughs> yes, and the smell. Yeah. Um, but the guy that run it was a like, local legend. Everyone, Everyone looked up to him but not one of the boys in, and this was like a long time ago not one of them would have been doing yoga so how does urban yogis come into this ben
2: yeah so about would have been about 4 or 5 years ago we 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 felt like we needed to broaden our offer of activities at gloves not guns so we would we we started doing brazilian jiu jitsu yeah. and we'd often do things like art and music as part of some of the sessions but yeah, we decided that we try yoga. There's, you know, lots of positive benefits for young people in, in helping them to regulate their emotions and obviously the physical aspect of it. Um, so basically what happened was we piloted a program at the time, it was really successful. And at the same time, we, I don't know how it happened, but we had some sort of communication with a group called urban yogis that was originally set up in America and it was set up in Queens in New York as response to the gun violence in that area at the time and they were using yoga to support the community with their sort of physical and mental health um, and one of the great things about what they did in America was they would support people from the community to become yoga teachers and then teach within yeah. their own communities so yeah. there was a there was a couple of people that were running that in the UK um, one of them still is a part of Urban Yogis now her name's Helen and essentially, Adam and I sort of came on at first to look at supporting them. And we quickly realized that actually, you know, they needed a bit more than support. And, and Adam and I ended up taking on Urban Yogis as a, you know, as, a, as an organization. Um, and since then, we've developed it so that we're teaching yoga in prisons, schools and communities. And it, you know, fits really well with Gloves Not Guns, um, feel like it sometimes will get a different type of young person that maybe doesn't want to engage with boxing, but actually they'd like to do, you know, an activity that maybe doesn't involve punching and, and, you know, yeah. and, and, and that type of sort of more physical activity. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 again, similar to gloves, not guns. It's grown very quickly over the past four years and we're, we're having like great success with it. A lot of the work that we're doing in prisons is having a positive impact on those young people, mm. um, young people that probably wouldn't normally engage in an activity like yoga. So for us, mm. it was really important to see if we can try and break down the stereotypes of what yoga is and who it's for. Yeah. Uh, I think most, most people from the outside would was, would think it's for sort of middle-aged white women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> So, yeah, so it's important that within our team, we've got a diverse group of staff that, you know, can relate with the young people. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, it's, it's had great success. And I think just, just moving on from, from that, Adam and I are going to be launching a new organization from the 1st of March, because it, I suppose if you were looking at what we just explained about, we've got glass not guns, we've got urban yeah. yogis, they're very similar organizations. And you know, Adam and I both run them both. And I think yeah. the stakeholders and funders and young people, it was maybe getting a little bit confusing about what project they're a part of and how they yeah. access that project. And we had some really good advice last year from some CEOs of charities that, that had been through mergers. And we um, we were offered some pro bono support from a, a marketing brand called JDO mm-hmm. and and with our team and with young people, over the past six months, we've developed a new organization which will start, as I say, from the 1st of March. And Gloves Not Guns and Urban Yogis will still be a part of that, but they'll sit as projects within it rather than their own organizations. And we're hoping this new organization will offer us more sustainability long-term. It will make it much more accessible and diverse around what we can offer. Um, and yeah, it's really really like exciting times for us this year. And um,
0: something that strikes me is that, like with the like systemic family therapy, and I've just been reading—is uh, it Bessel van der Kolk, *The Body Keeps the Score*? And talking yeah. about trauma, and it touches on things like yoga, family therapy, and it, it's how do you kind of balance that you've got young people coming in that you work with where you're just getting them to move their bodies and to breathe and, and to offer them a place to be versus engaging some really kind of, uh, I suppose, serious therapies and and how how do you get because you must be having to speak several different languages at the same Mm -hmm. time to different groups of people like you say you've got funders and how do you navigate that as people leading these organizations
2: i think we always go back to whenever we talk about this everything sort of happened organically at the organization Mm -hmm. and you know when when adam first started gloves not guns his office his and I'm just talking for you, Adam. So just bite in if I'm wrong. <laughs> but obviously, his passion and purpose with it was to get kids off the street and get them into the boxing club that he was running at the time. And then, as it's developed, like bet- together, we've realised that it's not as simple as that. Like, if mm. you want to solve the issue of serious youth violence, you have to come at it from all the different aspects. You know, mm. you need to be looking at, yeah, getting young people off the street and getting something, doing something positive. Great. Also, you need to be looking at the young people that have got um, more entrenched issues and, mm-hmm. and trauma and things like that. They're going to need a bit more of that one-to-one support. So we, mm-hmm. so we brought in the, the mentoring, and then that way we can do quite targeted work around some of the issues they're dealing with. And then from that, we realized, well, actually, some of these issues are, a youth worker won't be able to solve. Actually, they need therapy mm-hmm. to understand and get to the root cause of that problem. And then from that as well, like we looked at, well, why are young people getting involved in crime and and those types of things? And Adam mentioned it earlier. Um, a lot of it is that sense of belonging, but also it is, it's financial, you know, there's, yeah. there's a, a massive correlation to the amount of young people that are involved in those issues are from backgrounds of of poverty. So yeah. the only way we're going to be able to solve that for them is by helping them to, Go through education or employment, and it might—you know—it might not be. I know your podcast is about this. It might not be university, but it might be mm-hmm. actually getting them into a career that—that that, you know is—is going to have financial reward for them, so that they don't feel yeah. like they need to go and sell drugs on the street. So, yeah, as I say, it's—it's it's, it's grown organically, and it's Adam and I and the team of people and our youth panel have, have realized as things have gone on. Well, actually, we need to add this service to it yeah and you know we've got more stuff that we're going to develop over the next few years because we know that like there's there's more things we can do to to help solve this issue
1: I think it's really important I think it's really important as well sort of going off what Ben said about how the actual speaking about therapy comes into the voice of young people because there is a stigma around sort of young people sort of accessing help but even talking about their issues so I guess like we've used sport as a bit of a vehicle to get yeah. them involved in that first and build that trust so then they can access it without the fear of sort of judgment mm-hmm. and like Ben said we've got some pretty sort of exciting stuff going on in the background around how we deliver therapy to young people which yeah. I think will really sort of break the curb and people sort of having that maybe negative view on it and I think yeah. as well we we don't just diving straight away like through the yoga and well-being and even through the boxing we look at sort of breathing exercises mm-hmm. emotional regulation and i think that sort of starts breaking the barrier to actually going right i do need to speak to someone and i'm going to speak that person out of a place of like help not just sort of judgment so yeah it's really really important we all support sort of young people using everything not just sport
0: yeah i mean (laughs) it's i've seen social services notes on my family and it is like there's nothing like seeing somebody who's written a judgment about you that is going to make you fearful of sitting down with someone who's got like pen and paper so i think yeah um so let's learn a little bit about your backgrounds um adam when you were at school at secondary school, because it's something I yeah. ask all my guests, what were your experiences that perhaps shaped the person you are today?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I I went to like a sort of quite a decent mixed school. Um, was brought up just a caveat, brought up with both my parents. Yeah. I had an older brother used to sort of beat me up, but in a nice way, you know what I mean, not, <laughs> not in an aggressive way sort of toughen me up for secondary school but I yeah I took the um I won't use the language but I took the sort of position of like class clown and like yeah. wanted to sort of gain that notoriety of being like tough and funny and just mouthy and I think yeah, yeah it worked for me for a couple of years in terms of like I was probably quite not in an arrogant way like popular amongst my peers but not definitely yeah. not in terms of like the teachers and um <laughs> I think looking back, like reflectively, it's just had a massive identity crisis. Like, like I say, lived in a really nice area, had like two parents that were always there, a lot of loving. But I sort of wanted to be this tough guy, and I thought I was from like a bad area. And I sort of started to hang around with people that it's like a very similar sort of load of kids have the same story. But sort of hanging around with people I shouldn't have and doing things I shouldn't be doing. Looking yeah. back, then I thought I was really like needed to do stuff to sort of get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just led me to sort of got kicked out of school at the end of sort of my GCSE or before my GCSE. So wasn't able to take them in that school and it made, made them we'll get to this, made me have to be at school for another year. So I actually left school at 19. Oh, um, I had to wow. go to another, another sixth form. Um, yeah. luckily I was sort of fairly decent at rugby. So I was able to get into like a rugby school as a sixth uh-huh. form. Um, yeah. But then I got suspended from there for like something ridiculous. And it was just like, a, I don't know, I sort of didn't take it seriously. And it's its a real regret of mine because getting to an age of like I am now, like late 30s, I sort of now feel like I'm in a position where I sort of made a bit of a mountain out of a molehill school. Like I could have just applied myself a lot better. <laughs> um, I was... I was um I don't know what you call it like diagnosed with dyspraxia when I was mm-hmm. in school yeah. so I sort of maybe thought I used that a little bit like to my advantage to sort of get away with acting silly um mm-hmm. but on the whole no like I really enjoyed secondary school I just saw it as a bit of a joke though I didn't really take it seriously um mm-hmm. which is quite yeah probably quite ashamed of myself now when I look back um <laughs> some of the sort of interactions I had with teachers and adults but I also as well I'm quite open to the fact of like there were some I guess like a couple of really good teachers but there are some like awful ones as well and I think back at like how they were speaking to children yeah um and as an adult now with like a son and my niece is at secondary school she lives with us like I look at interactions that they have with teachers mm-hmm. and just think like wow like, what a difference sort of 25 years makes yeah in relation to like how I was spoken to at school and how I was treated um, yeah. But yeah, that was sort of my my secondary school.
0: And um, what led to you, I mean, we're going to compress things a bit here. What yeah, led yeah, to course. you setting up the boxing club?
1: Yeah, so I obviously, like I said, played rugby to like a fairly decent level mm-hmm. um, and then went to move from a sort of mixed school to a single-sex school mm-hmm. and moved there with the attitude that I was still like, head of the class, number one or whatever, and very, very quickly realized like I wasn't in the hierarchy at all. <laughs> and that was a that was quite like a single sex school. And mm. I remember, I won't give his name because he's headmaster of a really good school now. But I sort of went to a rugby session, like my first rugby session, and they sort of knew who I was coming into it because we had played them and sort of some yeah. some of the people knew me. And the teacher would have been probably early 20s and he mm. just smashed me and like just, yeah, we're saying like you're not, you're not, you're not gonna be like a big player here. Like, right. but he, he did it in a way that I guess I had a little bit of fear that I'd not had before, like I didn't experience it, but I sort of it humbled me a little bit. Um and then from school, just yeah, I don't know, it just, just started getting like a lot of a lot of kids would go out looking to sort of meet girls and stuff like that. And me and my friends. For whatever reason and again it's really sort of looked back quite shame same way right? just looked for trouble like looked for fights like mm. sort of enjoyed fighting kids from other areas mm. and, and went out looking for that sort of issue we ran in a gang um i sort of felt that i'd have sort of a group of mates outside of school that probably mm. neg- negatively impacted how i was in school so i thought i was a bit tougher than i was mm. and i went to a went to a boxing gym and again, just, just got humbled straight away. Like went in there with a massive attitude and a chip on my shoulder. And found out very quickly, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the way to go. And I realised it was a really short period of time where it just sort of shocked me into understanding how to act and like about respect and respecting other people and sort of not judging sort of people by how they look and things. And mm-hmm. it, it, it really put me on a real positive path because... I'm not gonna stand here and go oh you know i could have been dead or in prison and all that because i think that's overused i think a lot of people say that and it's probably not true yeah but i, I was on a pathway of like doing stuff i shouldn't have been doing yeah. and i was getting to the point of like i needed something in my life that would hook me to really change and understand that and i found that through boxing um wow. And then obviously took, took, you know, competed, took my um, coaching qualifications after I'd competed. And then, yeah, sort of got into boxing. I actually had a boxing club or boxing club in an area in Kent. And it was sort of 99% travellers were at the boxing club. So it was a really different yeah. dynamic to what I have in Croydon now. Yeah. And then, yeah, moved move to Croydon because my wife, or which wasn't my wife then, but my, my fiancé or girlfriend, whatever, lived in Croydon. Mm. So I moved move for a boxing club there and the rest is yeah the rest is sort of history
0: well move for love
1: yeah, um, yeah exactly <laughs> uh
0: it's really interesting actually what you say about um with the boxing thing so just as a, a quick side so did you do aba and you had a
1: kind of yeah so i actually started off doing uh mu thai so thai boxing uh, yeah okay. and then then took my qualifications in it used to be aba um now it's called england boxing so there's two there's england boxing and the alliance so we'd compete against clubs like basingstoke used to be a guy um jeff mitchell i think was the guy who ran it there's some really really good sort of boxes out from there so yeah so that that would mean we would compete and coach against kids from all over the country so we would go to like manchester and newcastle and that that was really important for me as well because it Again, when you get taken out of your environment and mm-hmm. you go to areas that, you know, effectively are a lot sort of worse in terms of like deprivation and stuff, it gives you that reality check that maybe you're not sort of this persona you're carrying out to be. And I think it's really important that especially young men mm-hmm. are sort of, it sounds like quite controversial, I'm going to say, but are like humbled and given a reality check sometimes because mm-hmm. it can stop you from sort of going on to things that you sort of shouldn't be involved in and I think sport was that thing for me that really sort of made me aware of like there's a right and wrong way of things to do and like it's definitely about being on the right path
0: yeah love it and Ben how about you What what was your school experience got any good kind of memories to share that set you up for where you are now
2: yeah, sure. So I I grew up in Torquay, Bay um, down in Devon, so yeah, very different to London. But um, but interestingly, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities as well. It's Tall, tall Key and Painting and bricks and we're quite it's like deprived areas. Like I know read an article recently. Tall key, tall key is now like in the sort of top twenty most deprived areas of England. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's so there's a lot of issues down there, but. You know different to to London in the sense of the serious violence and things like that but school um <laughs> so probably similar to Adam I uh I didn't do particularly well at secondary school mm-hmm. um I think when I at the end of year six I had quite a lot of stuff happen in my home life so yeah my mum and my stepdad broke up and I sort of found out that um my dad wasn't my dad and yeah met mm-hmm. my real dad and. And, lo- and loads of other things going on at home at the time. So I went into secondary school probably quite unsettled. Um, mm-hmm. And added to that, I I wasn't very academic. And it turned out actually late, later on in life, when I went to university, like in my late 20s, I, I got sort of uh, diagnosed with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. But I think in school, I just thought I was a bit stupid. Um, mm-hmm. But similar to Adam, though, loved sport, and I think it was always something that, that was there in my life. Um, so I played football, and mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I played at sort of a, a reasonably high level. So I played for Plymouth Argyle when I was younger, and then yeah. I stopped for a few years, and and then I ended up getting back into football um, towards the end of end of school. But yeah, I, I I it's funny when I left school, I look back at it and I think, oh, what an amazing time! Like you know, being with my friends and all, and all that. But at the time when I was in school, I absolutely hated it. And mm-hmm. I think it was just because I struggled with the academia and I got in trouble a lot and, you know, I got excluded and things like that quite a bit. Um, I think a turning point for me was I wasn't predicted to get any sort of A to C grades and, um, you know, was, wasn't going to be in all of my exams. And I got arrested in year 11 for, yeah. for some drug related charges mm. and um my, my mom just came down on me so hard and and obviously also like I had a, a yacht worker things like that yeah and um it really like put me in line a little bit like what Adam was saying you know having yeah. having that sort of tough tough love sometimes works quite well and my my granddad as well he was he's like sort of Old school like Northerner, and just like again, wasn't having any of it. Um, <laughs> and I think like yeah, it for the last six months of my, of my secondary school, I really sort of got you know worked hard, and I ended up doing doing okay. Like I got, I think I got four or five A to C grades, wow. um, which meant when I went to college, I was able to then go and do like a B Tech. Um, so yeah, so school school was. Yeah, I look back at it and I think oh, I was amazing, but at the time, it it wasn't for me. And I yeah. think as well, back back then, you know, this is I'm so old now. This is like over twenty years ago, whatever, no, like <laughs> twenty five years ago. Um, <laughs> there weren't the same options back then as like these days. You know, if you if you didn't if you were an academic, you can maybe go and do. Like some sort of like labouring or mm. or alternative education, we didn't really have it back then. And the school that okay. I was at as well wasn't wasn't the best school. Um, mm. Yeah, there was a lot of lot of lot of problems in the school at the time. Mm.
0: And um, so you said you went on to uni in your late twenties. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Is that right?
0: Yeah. What did you go on to do?
2: So I. I, well, firstly I was working in a school at the time I was working as a learning mentor in a in a school and I felt like I wanted to go and do therapy at first yeah. so I went and did my level two and three in in child uh, child therapy yeah. and, and um because I'd never had therapy and obviously I've been through quite a lot when I was younger yeah the, the the actual course just like destroyed me like I just I was yeah I was it it really sort of brought up everything for me. And actually at the end of the course, the, 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 the tutor said that, you know, I I don't think you're ready to become a therapist. I think you need to, you need to go and have therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so I went down that route, but then anyway, I, I ended up, I really wanted to study something and Mm. I decided to go and do a degree in youth and community work and social pedagogy. So that was, yeah, that was what I went and did. I think I did it when I was, I must've been like 28 and I finished right. when I was 32. So yeah, so during that time, got married and had a baby and, you know, yes. started with gloves, not guns, with Adam. So it was a really busy period of my life, but I loved it. I really enjoyed like learning something that I had mm-hmm. an interest in. And yeah, I and mean, I had sort of my diagnosis of, dyslexia so I sort of understood that I needed to put more strategies in place for my learning um yeah and and it was a real like accessible course as well a lot of it was around practice and that was Mm. what I always felt my strong point was was I could I could work with people and young people and things like that but Mm. I couldn't always put the theory behind it um yeah so yeah no it was it was it was definitely changed my um my ideas around education from having quite a negative experience of, of school yeah. to going on to doing something that I really enjoyed. And, you know, I got, a, I think I got a two, one in it and yeah, it was, I was really sort of proud.
0: Yeah. And what was it that brought the two of you together?
2: So I think I slid into Adam's
1: DMs actually. like say,
2: a dating uh, app. Sorry, I, I, yeah,
1: saw, I, think, um, I think like I, yeah, sorry.
2: Mate, sorry. <laughs> I saw um, at the time I was looking at boxing clubs in the area I was living in Fulton Heath,
0: and uh,
2: I saw on Adam's profile at the time this gloves not guns banner, right. and just contacted him. And then yeah, I went down to the club. Sorry, Adam, did you want to jump in?
1: No, no. I was I used to be quite active on social media before right. I uh, before I start to hate it. And I messaged me to sort of come and have a look. Played hard to get, didn't really come down for a little while. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, eventually we met and it was sort of just, you know, when you meet someone, you're, you know, we're probably quite different as like people, but it's sort of our values were very aligned in terms of like wanting to help young people and sort of Mm. had been through stuff that wasn't necessarily, you know, really serious youth violence, but it meant that we understood what young people feel like and, and obviously we've been young before, but it just seemed to clock, uh, like click. Um, yeah. And from then we were very, like we were always very cautious of going at like a snail's pace in terms of like how we help people because we wanted it to be sustainable. Mm. We've both seen a lot of organisations that pop up, sort of come up with this magical cure that they're going to end youth violence and stabbings and, and then they've gone in that's six months' time. So yeah. for us it was very much like, strategically building the organization and getting the engagement right with young people Mm. um and yeah just sort of sort of going forward like that
0: and actually something you just said there really strikes me because when i went to look initially at the gloves not guns website and i saw you had um like a show rule with nike 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 i always get my kids always tell me off Because i say adidas as well and they go no it's adidas um anyway um yeah so you had that and i was like wow that's like you know big brand flashy and then if i was going to do a clanger of a name drop you know well i'll let you do it you had somebody very influential come spend time with you yeah yeah,
1: so we had um idris elba came and visited the boxing gym was it last friday or a couple of fridays ago yeah, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, so he's just started, uh, launched a sort of campaign and organisation called Don't Stop Your Future. I think it was originally Don't Stab Your Future, but I think he's had had potentially to change it. But yeah. that was a really inspiring sort of event. So we basically facilitated a community panel where
0: yeah.
1: it was like local dignitaries all over London, though. so community activists, community leaders yeah. um, from sort of all different sectors. And then Idris obviously came in um, to the gym and sort of spoke about what he wanted to do and how he could help. And I just think it was, you know, we've had loads of different, not necessarily to that level, but people say they want to come and help and they want to do good. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time it appears to be from like a social status type of thing. They want to look like they're helping. Yeah. But I mean, he sort of came to he came to the pitch black of Heath for like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. Yeah. And was there openly to taking photos of everyone, hearing everyone. And yeah. you know what it's like, sometimes people can like have a moan up and that, and he was just there. He was quite open. He wanted to listen. Yeah. And it just seemed very sort of genuine, like his, yeah. his want for help. And it's like, the reality is that like he doesn't need to do it.
2: He's yeah. sort
1: of this massive A-lister who really could be sitting in a sunbed somewhere and not having to worry about stuff that's going on. But I think it's really sort of testament to him as a person. He, I know he grew up in Hackney and sort of, suffered some of the social issues as well that young people do today. So I think it's really important that someone of his sort of status and character has sort of put himself forward. Um, and yeah, like Ben says, we're hopefully meeting next week or this week with his team and look to really sort of push that partnership moving forward
0: and and I think some people would like you as you say you get maybe like those flash in the pan organizations that say yeah we've got a magic one we're going to fix it and then six months later they're gone because the original intention may be good but they're looking for that big sponsorship a-list to visit immediately whereas you've been as you say drip by drip going for eight no
1: yeah seven years so like we, years. you know the, the reality is and all due respect to him like it's gonna carry on regardless like yeah. at the moment you know he can come down on friday and it's amazing but that doesn't automatically quell what's going on so i think having the fact that it sort of started as a passion project for us as well and uh, me and yeah. ben sort of self-funded it for a couple of years yeah whilst we both have full-time jobs you know we both had kids during that time and it's sort of we're in it regardless like, yeah. who wants to get involved? We're in it. You can't sort of get involved in something like this and then, like, duck up. You have to sort of be committed. And I think yeah. that's what's important to show when you have, like, an A-list to come down or someone who's got maybe, like, you know, a bigger reach than us,
2: anything,
1: yeah. and not just something that's done, like, in a tokenistic way.
0: Yeah. And and tell me about some of the um thinking about like you said the things that motivate you and drive you and the, and the sort of results that you might expect to achieve over as you say you've got children as young as seven and young adults up to the age of 24 what are some of the um achievements that these young people have or what what are some of the things that you witness them experiencing by
1: virtue
2: of your programs do
1: you want to speak on this pen i'm happy to but i'll
2: yeah, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, successes wise, we've had a lot of young people that have been through the project that we supported into employment and education. We had a young mm-hmm. person that, um, we worked with quite some time ago. It would have been about four or five years ago that worked, lived, um, on an estate that we were working at at the time In Adam were delivering a program, the funding ended on that estate. And then he used to travel from there to our boxing club, which is probably like 45 minutes each week. And he would go, you know, on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. And anyway, this young person could could barely, you know, barely had the confidence to talk in to me and Adam, let alone like in a group. And yeah. anyway, um, he went through the employability program that Adam delivers. And we ended up getting him a job in a restaurant up in Covent Garden. And he's now like training as a chef. And I think wow. we've got a lot of, a lot of really nice stories around young people getting into education and employment, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had lots of successes in sport. So we had uh, a young person that came through our programme right at the beginning, which would have been seven, seven years ago, who was heavily involved in county lines and mm-hmm. ended up boxing through Goves Not Guns, becoming a, a staff member. Then once he'd got to a certain level, he was boxing for Adam and he won a national championships under Adam's boxing club and became like one of the first Nike athletes as well. So wow, I mean, that was, that was a huge success. Um, yeah. We've got lo- 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 a lot of our young people who are competing in Brazilian Jitsu and, and doing really excelling in the sport that they've chosen to go down. Um, mm. And then I think like on a more, you know, more sort of related to the therapeutic element of our work and, and mentoring work, which, you know, I can't, can't really talk about in too much detail, yeah. but yeah, we've got had a lot of young people that have, have had better outcomes in their life, whether it be they're still in school, whether they're still in their home environment, their, you know, their mental health's improved, they're mm. not using cannabis or drugs, um, mm. you know, reduced incidence of them carrying weapons, things like that, we've had a lot of good outcomes yeah. in prisons where when young people have left prison, we've been able to support them. So yeah. the outcomes across the organisation are huge um, and quite think, quite range.
1: Yeah, I think as well, Ben mentioned earlier on about sort of being able to incentivize young people and give them alternative options when it comes to making money. And that's something we've done massively in the organization is
2: mm.
1: training up young people who have been part of the project to end up starting sort of community sessions and leading on sort of areas within the business. So Got 50% mm-hmm. of our current staff um, at the moment are young people that have come through the project that we supported and they've been yeah. brought on that path when they've been trained up and now they're sort of earning like well above the London living wage to deliver stuff that they've gone through. And I think it's a really wholesome approach when you're working with someone to be able to be relatable and have that common ground, which they sort of understand quite a lot of the stuff that goes on with young people. Um, yeah sort of in today today's climate and they're able to really help unpick those issues and challenges young people may have because you know they're not that far removed from them and it also allows them to sort of or allows us to develop them and give them that base sort of work experience where they can then sort of take that on however they want to into sort of further employment later on in life
0: and um so thinking about i just spend the whole day talking to you but i'm conscious you have things to do <laughs> yeah, of um course thinking about what's next and and how people can get involved so if there are organizations because you said you work with prisons and so I, I guess there's an element of maybe people are referred to you or there are organizations that yeah work with you how how do people get to to do that to approach you to talk about of working course. together
1: yeah so in terms of like referring young people we get referrals from like the police, prisons, local authorities, social care, schools, um, in relation to people sort of wanting to do partnership work or work with us. Like we can be reached on our website, email, social media, like we're really sort of interactive. Um, Mm -hmm. We love finding out about projects that are sort of doing stuff similar to us because, you know, it's not a, this isn't a thing that you do in silo you've got to reach out to people you've got to work with others and i think that collaborative sort of approach really helps when you're working with young people because like ben touched on earlier not every young person wants to do boxing or yoga or jujitsu and it's having that ability to signpost them to something positive where they can sort of get involved in something they're interested in and there are loads of like amazing sort of organization groups in london and the uk that do that so it's just about being really sort of open and Yeah, communication, I think is key to a lot of this.
0: Yeah. And how about for, um, you were doing some work for young women as well, because is it that, uh, how does that work out in terms of the demographic of young people you work with? Is it mostly young men or is there provision for young women? Is it mixed?
2: Yeah, so historically, I'd say like 90% of young people that we worked with were male. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes... It's because of the sport. Oh, yeah. Like the referees automatically think, "Oh, that's for a male." Yeah. Um. So we've been doing a lot of work over the past twelve months to really change that. So mm. we, firstly, is making sure that we've got more female coaches and more female mm. staff, and and talking to referers like stakeholders, like local authorities, schools, that actually this project is. For girls and and you know yeah. we need more referrals, um, but the real big shift is we were funded by the violence reduction unit last year ah. to run a two year piece of work around female only, and what yeah. we've done with that is we're creating female only spaces. So in the we work across five different boroughs at the moment, but the three boroughs that we're delivering that in there's regular sessions that girls can go to after school or at weekends in which they can engage in boxing or, or an activity, and it would just be a space for girls. And I think that's really helped us shift and change the numbers a little bit because, yeah. you know, predominantly like if a girl was to come to a Thursday night session at the boxing club, yeah, you know, that it's, it's a busy session. It's there's probably 20 to 30 young people there mm. and there's only a couple of girls there. So if yeah. you're, you know, lacking confidence or, you know, you don't want to be around a large amount of boys, which is completely understandable. Yeah, you won't you won't engage with it. So by having this this space where they can go in and it's just for just for girls, it's it's really helped. And then mm-hmm. through that, we're able to also add on targeted sessions and education for the girls specific to what what they want to learn and know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then alongside that project, we're also mentoring girls that are. Identified and been referred through social care, youth offending, education as a high risk to crime and exploitation. Yeah, I think girls often um, are there aren't enough support for females mm. that are engaging in those types of behaviours. And I think, mm. um, yeah, I, I, there was there was for us it was really important. We were able to set up some programs to support girls, and I think. Yeah. You know, we've just employed a, a, a new female manager that's joined the team. We've got our youth panel that is, is made up of, you know, 50-50. So we're hoping that we're going to really sort of get more of a female voice into the organisation and, and how we develop and, and move forward. Because obviously Adam and I set it up, you know, two males. And it wasn't, you know, that, that's just the way it was, you know. But. Yeah it's important for us to make sure that there's female leadership within what we're doing going forward.
0: And um, two final questions. First one is corporate sponsors. Would you like some of those? Can, can we encourage people to support you in some way that, that in outside of, I guess the typical organizations that you work with?
2: Yeah. So definitely, I mean, that's a massive part of our work at the moment is how we engage with corporates and get that sustainable support from them because I think you know corporates have a, a responsibility to support the communities that they're working in. and yeah. we've been very fortunate over the years we've had support from Nike. We've currently been supported by weights property group in, in oh, yeah. Croydon yeah. Um, notora which is a, is a sort of big food. Um, manufacturing organization with Knight Frank in the past has supported us. So we, we've got a fundraising manager and a marketing team that are really supporting around that at the moment and looking at how we can engage with corporates. And it's not just from a perspective of them giving us money. It's actually like them giving the opportunities to young people. So say for instance, notora they're offering young people the opportunity to go and work there and learn more about, food awesome. industry and 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 weights they're supporting around like how young people can get into property management yeah. construction all these different different um yeah different works and, and the idea is as well as to sort of try and break down those stereotypes of what young people can do um mm-hmm. in regards to employment because a lot of the young people we support you know i'll give an example a young person that maybe has been selling drugs and and working and you know doing that for x amount of time obviously we don't want them to do that anymore because of the risks and you know it's against the law without young person would have learned a lot of like entrepreneurial you know skills from doing that and actually how can we channel that into a really positive positive way that they can learn you know maybe how to work in finance or something like that so um so, yeah, and, I mean, with corporates, like, they can just reach out to us, as Adam said, through email yeah. um, and, and just checking out our website and seeing what we're up to.
0: Awesome. And a final question for you both. So you first, Adam. Um, what has, I ask everybody this, what has held you in good stead, do you feel, sort of throughout your life and career? What would you pass on as a kind of maybe a character trait yeah, or course. something about you that served you well?
1: I think... Um like, always back yourself. Like, I feel like when you're in education and employment, there's sometimes this sort of one-size-fits-all approach that sort of organisations have, especially in education. And I think if you're passionate about something and you're sort of, you know, really do want to make a change or you you want to sort of get to somewhere in life, you've got to really believe in that passion and push yourself forward. I sort of changed... um, you know left my full-time job a couple of years ago to really concentrate on gloves not guns it's like the best thing i've ever done um and i've always had that in my mind ever since i was at school and to help people and to do stuff and regardless of any sort of issues i had and trials and tribulations I've always just kept on that you know one day it's going to happen and i think it's really important It sort of builds sort of resilience internally and allows you to sort of yeah just back yourself <laughs>
0: I feel a little bit emotional uh Ben how about you
2: (laughs) yeah I I would agree with everything that Adam just said um and for me it's work ethic like just just working hard I've always found like you know whatever you're doing if you work hard towards that 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 goal you'll achieve it and um you know when I first moved to London I, I had like no money I had um a job in a school which which was really sort of not not well paid at all. Um, and London's an expensive place to live. And I just, yeah, I went and got my personal training qualification and I worked hard in the evenings and trained people so that I could afford to live in London. And, you know, like throughout my life, whatever I've done, I've, I've tried to work hard. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I think, you know, that's the success of gloves, not guns and urban yogis and what we're doing now is massively passion, as Adam said, and purpose. But I think as well, it's hard work. Me and Adam, like, we we've not stopped grinding for this mm-hmm. for this to be successful. Like we've both, in the time that we've met, we've both had children, we've both moved house, we've both worked full time. Like, up until, as Adam said, up until two years ago, like Adam was working full time and doing this. You know, mm-hmm. we we've, we've 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 both had to, and and the thing is, and it goes back to the passion thing because we love it so much it doesn't feel like work sometimes Mm. it does don't get me wrong if you've got to do a funding evaluation and and like you've got loads of other stuff on it sort of that can be a bit bit bit, uh tough but generally like we both love it so it's Mm. we don't mind putting putting the hours in but I do say it you know say it to young people all the time like if whatever you want in life you have to work hard for it's not just gonna come to you and I think this is a you know, not to have a a moan. I think this is one of the problems today in society is that a lot of people don't want to work hard for things. They just want that automatic success and and gratitude. And actually that's just not reality. And it was like what Adam said earlier about sometimes like that tough love and telling someone how it is, is the only way that you're going to shift. And for me, that happened to me, you know, when I was younger, when I got into trouble and actually, my granddad, you know, he worked half, hard all his life. And, yeah. you know, he said, you not you've, you've just got a graft if you want to get what you want. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think um, that would be my, my thing that I would share.
0: Nice. Words to live by. Um, thank you so much. I've had a little pep talk, I feel like. <laughs> um, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. And I'm looking forward to your announcement in March.
1: Excellent. Brilliant.
0: Thank, Thank you, Tony. Thanks. Thanks.